I went from being a young single mother and domestic violence survivor to being an award-winning professional in less than three years. I have proved that anyone is capable to turn their life around if they empower and embrace vulnerability and use adversity as a strength and see it as triumph. Welcome to Empower with Ash. I was looking at your intro and I was giggling to myself at some some of your facts. Absolutely yeah. hacking myself. So starting working at Wendy since you were 11, mm -hmm. used to write fake notes to get out of PE, which that's yeah. why I laugh at because you're like the biggest fitness guru now. <laughs> so I know, I think it's, it's, people say, um, Yeah, they... I guess when I moved to Adelaide and that's when I got into the fitness, people who knew me there knew me from that point. They didn't know what I was like before, the person who never worked out and ate chocolate all day long. You'd go to my drawer and there'd be chocolate and lollies and biscuits like flat out. Every single day, every hour, you'd find me, you know, stuffing my face with biscuits, lollies and chocolate. And I just, because I know myself, I would forget. People were like, What? Yeah, I thought you were always into this. I thought you were always this way. I'm like, no, actually, no, I've had to actually really change my life a lot. And the comment was like, did you get dropped on your head or something? What? <laughs> this big turnaround? <laughs> I'm like, no. I was so unco um, in any sort of sport. Like, I couldn't even catch a ball. And it was so embarrassing. That's why I tried to get out of PE. <laughs> yeah, I hated it. Anxiety plus with PE. Oh my gosh, and that's what I think's funny because now you've got into what fitness modeling competitions, yes, and helping and coaching other people. You've been in like magazines, like was it Oxygen and Australia Women's Health? Like, yeah, wow, talk about a 180 story right there. <laughs> totally, like fitness is you know, health and fitness is life. And even when I did my PT course, Ash, I didn't. I was doing it for myself. I just wanted to understand why, you know, the effect of exercising, what it was doing to my brain. Because when I'd go and work out, I didn't feel so crazy. I mean, I literally didn't feel so crazy when I started to exercise. So I was like, why is that? I wanted to understand the connection between the movement that I'm doing my body and what's going on with my brain and also what I'm putting in my mouth in terms of food, how it all works. So that's why I went and did my PT course because that's what I thought I was going to learn. I didn't learn much about the food side of things in the course, but I had no intention of becoming a trainer, like zero. I was like, no way. I'm just doing this to learn about myself and for myself, but no way will I become a trainer. And I loved it. Look at you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because some people think that someone like yourself has always been that way. And then when you actually ask people and go and they're like, ah, oh, no, I used to eat like biscuits for breakfast and now look at totally. me. It's like a yeah. reality check to go, oh, wait, they didn't wake up like this. They worked hard for it. And you don't, I mean, you know our family, I was never, I was never overweight. Um, so I was lucky, I guess, but I did mess my insides up by the way I ate and the way I treated my body. I had autoimmune disease and... Um, just very unhealthy, took me years to correct what was going on with my gut health um, and I was skinny fat. So, mm. you know, I was unhealthy but I wasn't overweight but my body fat um, compared to my muscle. Well, basically when I got to Adelaide, I weighed mm, 47 kilos and some years later I weigh like 57 kilos and I weighed oh. myself 
Oh. Yeah, the other day for the first time in like a year and a half. Um, but that's my normal sitting weight, but 47 to 57. And people are like, oh, that's not bad. I'm like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm happy. Like, you know, I'm the, the happiest, the most confident I've ever been um, in my body probably the last four years. So. It's amazing. And you've had three boys on top of that as well. So you're literally yeah. that you can yeah. balance it all out. And that's what I love about you because you're so passionate about it and you make time. Because I think you're probably like myself. The worst thing I hear from people is, I don't have time. And I'm like, you have 24 hours in a day. You're just not prioritizing things like that. So don't complain about it if you're not making progress. Yeah, it it does come down to priorities, right? Like I'll spend money on um, supplements and things to do with my health and other people will spend um, more money on holidays maybe because that gives them some sense of joy and that's a priority for me or for them. Um, or they might spend, you know, a bunch of money on working on cars or motorbikes because that's what they like to do. And that, and I wouldn't spend the money on that. I'd rather spend the money on, on my health and, and having a trainer. That's yes. a high priority for me. So it's just a matter of priorities, really. And if you're not happy with something in your life, it's how do you change the conversation around it and choose to make it a priority? Yes. Yes. So, exactly. exactly. And if you don't, and if you don't want to and you're okay with how you are, that's okay. You do you. But don't sit there and complain about it if you want to do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And seriously, if you're the sort of person that does, that's just not the that's just not my people. I don't spend much yeah. time with people like that. If you're complaining and you're looking for help and you want guidance and direction, I'm there for you. If it's yeah. just about complaining, no. Nah. Nah. Out of my space. <laughs> don't waste my energy on that. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, I, by the way, on starting your podcast and also sharing your story. Oh, no, thank well you. Done. It's um, been overwhelming, I guess, because you, you prepare yourself for it, but you don't. I probably prepared myself for the negative feedback and the thoughts, and I didn't yeah. really think about the impact of those people on a positive note. Yeah. Which is odd how my brain works. I focused on the 1%, not the 99%, and... The 99% of it has just been so, oh, just so overwhelmingly, like, just the loving it, the support, all these people reaching out telling me their stories. So I'm loving have, it. Have you had any negative um, comments or feedback from people? Not yet. Good. Um, but I'm waiting for that. I'm prepared for that. Don't be prepared for it. Don't wait for it. You know what it's like? What you focus on. <laughs> that is true and so what if there's one nasty comment look at all the people's lives you've already impacted possibly you don't even know the seeds that are planted the thoughts of you someone might leave in two years time rather than five or ten because of seeing that you've shared your story so I mean I was scared of I was scared of how mine was going to be received as well and mine wasn't planned I sat down and went bang and then I never watched it again until it was scheduled and posted and it was scheduled and posted while I was at soccer training with my kids and I left my car, phone in the car because I did not trust myself to stop the scheduled post. Like I was, and I couldn't watch it over because I knew if I watched it back, I would pick it to bits and I would not post it. So I sent it to one of my coaches, um, my sister Margie and my best friend and I knew that I could trust them to say, no, you don't want to put that out there like to give me honest, hard feedback. They're the sort of friends that would go, yeah, no, those jeans don't look good on you. <laughs> you know, like they wouldn't just yeah. 
Um, say yes. And otherwise, I, yeah, I didn't trust myself to have the, the courage to actually hit the button. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So let's talk about your story because when I reached out to you, it was Jeannie that sent it to me and said, you need to talk to my sister because I wasn't even aware of your story. So I think it was more like, oh, my God, one of my good friend's sisters went through this. I didn't even know it. Yeah. And you posted it over like I think over a year ago. Yeah, it was probably two years ago now. So it was just mind-blowing that I think you were the first person that I knew that actually opened up about it indirectly, yeah. if that made sense. Mm -hmm. um, but let, let's talk about your story because I think it's so powerful and it made me cry. And equally, I was so proud of you at the same time because you were so vulnerable and it truly displayed the power of vulnerability because I think that is just, it's powerful these days. And your topic that we're going to be talking about later links in with all that as well. Uh, so let's kick it off with your story. So take us back to a time in your life where you hit like a major challenge, your rock bottom potentially. Mm -hmm. What that situation and what were the complications with it? So for me, I've always had this um, fairy tale of wanting to be happily married with a happy little family, mum and dad together and be like my grandparents, you know, just together forever, nice and happy. And that fairy tale um, and that desire for that shaped a lot of my decisions. And to me, I thought domestic violence was um, physical, just physical abuse. I didn't understand financial abuse, the, the mind control, the control of what you wear, how you wear your hair, all those sorts of things. Like I had no idea about that. But that was predominantly the type of domestic um, violence that I experienced. So I was with my husband since I was 16. We had three amazing, beautiful children. Um, I loved him very much. But one day standing, I was 30, standing in my kitchen, I had an epiphany. I had this moment where I just saw myself, I was unhappy. I saw myself in my 50s with a husband who still treated me disrespectfully, who still cheated on me. And initially it was about me for like a split second. I went, He's still going to be doing this. I'm going to be old and washed up. And who's going to want to love me then? Like when I'm ready to leave and my kids are grown up. Because um, I thought I need to stay together for the sake of the kids. Because being a ethnic type of a family, that's kind of, you know, the beliefs and the paradigms that you grow up with indirectly. Um, and I just, the epiphany went on from thinking about myself to thinking about my sons being young men and them having relationships like firstly them treating me disrespectfully the same way my husband did secondly them having re relationships with women that they treated disrespectfully having and it just kept going further like it just kept spiraling this epiphany then they had sons which repeated this cycle and they had daughters who expected and accepted that this sort of treatment was was okay and normal and in that moment i made my decision after 15 years it was done it was finished because it wasn't about myself anymore. Like I can be a martyr, I can endure the pain, whatever. It was about the fact that I had brought these children into the world and it was my responsibility to them and to society to break this cycle. And at that point, I made the decision that the marriage was going to end. Um, I had no idea what I had to face or what, was, what I was about to face after I'd made that decision. I didn't realise um, just what a dangerous time I was about to face, really. 
So it gives me shivers when you talk about it. I've got goosebumps right now as well. <laughs> yeah, well, really what happened, Ash, like I decided once I made that decision, um, I didn't plan for it like you probably should. I was not anywhere near aware of the sort of danger that I was in because I had held on to that fairy tale for so long and that desire to have that whole family coming from broken family myself and having um, experienced being exposed to domestic violence growing up I you know it was a be all and end all to keep my kids and my family together to raise my children so the fact that I'd held on to that fairy tale meant that I didn't push back with my husband like if if I was out of line so to speak um, he would be really firm and put me back in my place and maybe threatened to end the marriage or something. I was like, oh God, I don't want that. Or if he had done something that I felt was wrong and he thought he'd overstepped and was pushing me too far, he would be super nice. So it'd be either really, really nice and say all the things I wanted to hear to get me back in my spot, or he would be really mean and really firm and I would just recoil and go back to my little spot. I didn't have the strength to to stand up to him because of that fairy tale and that idea that I had crafted for myself, I don't know, probably through my childhood or something. Yeah. So once I had that epiphany, I decided, and it happened very quickly. I said, this is it. He didn't believe it. He tried the, the you know, be nice, be mean, be nice, be mean. Nothing was working. And I ended the marriage and cut a long story short, um, he committed suicide and I'm still here. So essentially what happened was, he attacked me. Um, there was a couple of occasions he attacked me. He took off overseas, came back. I woke up one morning um, at five in the morning with him standing over the bed. And that day was a terrible day. So that day I, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was up and I just wanted to get my kids out of the house and get myself out of the house and convince him that we could talk in a public place. And Unfortunately, I went against my gut instincts and I was convinced by him to come back to our home and speak in our home and that's where it got dangerous. As soon as he got me into the house, I went, oh my God, what, I, what have I done? I'm in danger. And that is um, when one of the first major attacks happened. Um, he physically assaulted me, sexually assaulted me, had um, firearms there, loaded firearms and I got out of there alive. I didn't think I would. Um, I did. And so did he. And then he was arrested and he was looking at um, lengthy certain jail time. After that, um, I he was on bail conditions. Cut a long story short, I withdrew my statement through pressure from people around me, um, well-meaning people, but basically saying, you know, it's probably like a desperate person did a desperate thing in a desperate moment. Jail isn't the best place, probably not the best place for the father of your children. And I was quite naive. I like to believe the best in people. And I still do like to believe the best in people. But now I go with my gut instincts. And my gut instincts told me that when he said to me, if you're lying the first time and you and I aren't and we're not okay, if you're lying and you go to the police, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get you or I'm gonna get someone close to you. And I remember the look and the sound of his voice and I knew him. I believed it. But I was convinced by other people around me that, you know, it was just a bad decision in a desperate moment because our marriage had broken up and it was 15 years that we'd been together. And that was one of the most dangerous things I could have done because some weeks later, um, I was at work and I worked for his construction company. I locked the door behind me because 
I was afraid of, of him coming. I mean, my son even gave me like a little a spit steak thing, like a, a thing that you stick meat on yeah. to put meat on a spit to keep in the corner in my office to protect me. Anyway, I got to work one day and I locked the door behind me. I worked in an industrial area. It was newly titled, so there was hardly any of the sheds were tenanted. So it was quite um, isolated. Went upstairs, unlocked my office, and before I got round to my desk, I heard my name and a chill ran up my spine and it was my husband. And he was standing there with a dirty, great, big, black pig shooting rifle. So as you can imagine, it was just like, I was so many things went through my head. I screamed. I thought, that's it. I'm done for. My head was going a hundred scenarios through my head of how I could escape the fact that I'd locked the door and no one could come in and help me. You know, I could run down the stairs, but I was going to get a bullet in my back. Just survival straight into fight or flight. Do I run? Do I, do I fight? Um, and basically I spent an hour in there with him. There was uh, all sorts of, of assault, which I'm not going to go into all the details of, but one hour and in the end he, he committed suicide by gunshot and I thought it was me because it was very almost going to be me. You know, there was many times he, he had the gun held to me and basically told me, give me one good reason not to. Um, I won't say the words that he said, but... To be honest, I was literally on my knees and I did give up, Ash, for a moment. I gave up and just went, just get this over with because the fear was so overwhelming of what was going to happen. He had a box of ammunition and there was rope and, you know, there was all sorts of stuff and just the fear that I had, I just went, just do it, get it over with. And then I had a vision like, and I believe it's God, universe, Whatever you, you believe in. For me, I felt it was God put this vision on my heart. And it was a vision of my mum and one of my sisters telling my eldest son who was six. So I had a son who was six, a son who was four, and a son who was one. Telling my six-year-old that he didn't have a mum or a dad. Because whichever way this was going to go, if he took my life, he'd maybe take his or he'd take mine. And then he'd end up in jail or whatever. So I saw that vision and from that second, I went, I'm going to survive. I'm going to live and I just prayed. I was literally on my knees and I prayed, God, get me out of here alive. Whether you believe or not, I completely respect your own thoughts and views, but that's what I did and I had nothing else to lose, right? And I got out of there alive. I did. Like just over an hour later, I survived and the moment that it happened, I thought it was me. I yeah. thought I was gone. It took me... It probably took me a fraction of a second, but it felt like a long time to realise I had survived. So the police said to me basically that these things don't happen. These are usually murder-suicides. Yeah. So whatever you did to get yourself out of there alive, you did good. So, yeah, for me it was just calling out to be saved and the reason I was was for my children. So I didn't know why it happened to me like you know as a victim why has this happened to me what have I done I must have people would say to me oh you know karma 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 and I'm like well that doesn't make sense to me because if it's karma then I must have done something for this to happen to me karma doesn't make sense to me that doesn't work don't tell me karma when these bad things um people are doing bad things to me 
because then I must have done something bad too. Mm. So I just went, you know what, we all have free will and anything that is intended to harm can be used for good. So out of anything terrible, something good can come. And I knew in that moment that despite the horror that I had gone through, the, the horrible visions I had in my head that I couldn't get out, I was here for a reason and a purpose and absolutely for my children but for some other reason and purpose that I survived and I was going to use what had happened to me for the good of others for some way that I some way I was going to use it to help other people change their lives for the better and here I am now you are a survivor not a victim no I am a thriver yes it's like I literally had goosebumps the whole time when I was listening to that, but you are so empowered as well off the back of it. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm two years, I guess, free from that relationship and it's taken me a good year, year and a half to really heal myself after something like that and really see it as a strength mm-hmm. now. For me, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, it tore me apart like my soul everything and i seen it as a weakness but now i'm like no you know what i survived that what is your mindset now looking back at that when you think about it i don't think everything happens for a reason i think people have free will they choose to do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people Mm. good people do bad things and bad people can do good things so i think Everything is to do with perspective and gratitude. My faith has played a huge part, but, you know, I wake up in the morning and I wriggle my toes and go, thank God, thank whoever you want to thank, thank the world. I've got fingers and toes that work. I don't, you know, I've interviewed people that were born with no legs and no arms. So despite everything, I've got so much going for me. And, yes, it's hard and, yes, it's a shit time and yes it's all the legal issues I had afterwards losing my home legal battle after legal battle being charged with contempt of court and the supreme court self-representing like it I felt like I was in a boxing ring ash and I just kept getting pounded at one point I just went you know it felt like I was trying to get up and every time I tried to get up on top of everything that I was going through I had all these other legal issues um, my husband's company collapsing which um, had repercussions for me financially um, I just went you know what bring it bring it what else have you got for me world bring it i can take it because i'm on the ground and you're pounding me but i can take it and i just got stronger i just my faith absolutely helped me and i just think it doesn't matter how dark something is there is always a glimpse of light and it's just perspective it's wanting to live it's wanting to survive and i love life i don't want to be a victim i looked for ways i'd never really done personal development but i looked for ways to change my life and I had a lot of negative thinking and the first book I ever bought to do with personal development was a book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, who was an old guy. It was an audio book because I just Googled positive thinking book, you know, because I, was, I had all these negative thoughts in my head and I was just had so much stuff going on and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like that. I even changed my, um, I saw a counsellor and At one point, I just went, you know what? This isn't working for me because she is enabling me. And I might not have used that language at the time, but what I did recognise was that 
she was saying to me, oh, yes, that's understandable. You've been through a lot. Yes, it's understandable. And I was just like, no, I want someone to call me on my shit because after what I have been through, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to live. After facing death, I am here to live life and take, you know, life by the horns and run with it. So a question I ask myself a lot is if I'm struggling with making a decision um, or in victim mindset, if I'm on my deathbed tomorrow, because I was on my deathbed a couple of times within a couple of months, if I'm on my deathbed tomorrow, what am I going to regret doing or not doing? You know, to be a, to choose, you have to choose to not be a victim and you have to do the work and it takes hard work because we have to change patterns and behavior and there's no pill. The decision to make a change, that's the easy one, but it's the follow-up. That stuff's hard. And anyone that tells you it isn't, they're BSing you. You know, it is hard. But goddamn, is it, is it worth it? 100%. 100%. So life's here for the living. Oh, my gosh. You are so, like, amazing to talk to. And I haven't met too many people that are like me. And you are definitely 150%, like, probably more. <laughs> than me like just so passionate and that's how I see things as well like shit happened to me so what I'm still here yeah. I'm a survivor like if I can get through that I can get through bloody anything and you know to hear your story what you went through and how you are today like it blows my mind like it literally blows my mind from the person you were and you were probably similar to me victim why is this all happening to me to mm -hmm. now you know, that didn't happen to me. That happened for me. That's Absolutely. Life. Yes, that is my belief. Even now, I mean, even this year, I've had several things. I've gone, oh, my God, I thought I dealt with this or that because mm -hmm. life is a forever journey. And absolutely, I'm like, yep, this is happening for me. If I don't see it straight away, I'm like, oh, this is what this was teaching me. I'm like, okay, what is the lesson here? I know there's one universe or God, like what do I think I know that I need to know a little bit more about before moving on to the next um, step in my life. But I just want to take it back for a minute in terms of um, us being strong and surviving and our great attitudes and just also I think it's important to point out that we do have to honour the pain and the fact that we need some healing, that it's okay to be a a victim for a period of time because you actually are a victim of something but you choose not to live your life as a victim you choose not to let those incidences define the person that you are going to be in the future but it's yeah. important to honor that you have been through something traumatic something that isn't okay and it is okay to be upset I mean I had autoimmune disease my hair was falling out I had alopecia and vitiligo where my skin was going white and I just remember walking out of the doctors and going, oh, my God, after everything that I've been through now this, and I was telling a, a friend, a beautiful, well-meaning and supportive friend, and they're like, oh, you know, look on the bright side, this and the other. And I was just like, you know what? Don't tell me to look on the bright side because every single day I look on the bright side. That is how I survive what I do. Today, I just want to be pissed off and angry at the world for everything that's happened to me and just be angry and pissed off and feel sorry for myself for a day or two and then I can move on. It's yep. okay to feel like that but it's important to move on. And I mean we have emotions 
there's a reason we have them to feel them. You can't just pretend it's like, oh, yeah, it's all good because then you're also suppressing, which makes you sick. So, yeah, this is shit. This happened to me. Have friends that you can rant, rave to. Go and punch, you know, boxing bags and get your aggression out. Go and see a a psychologist or a counsellor or some sort of therapy to help you because I had therapy for years. You know, I went from a counsellor to a psychologist who called me on my stuff and helped me. It's part of the tools that I use to to get me to the place that I am now. So, yeah. I completely agree with that. And one of my favourite authors called Hal Elrod, and he has a little quote that says, um, he says, five minutes, he allows himself to vent, and then he says, can't change it. And that's his method. And he says, you don't start, you get to five minutes, but you might start with a day. And then it might be two hours, and then it might be five minutes. But he says you can't just ignore your your negative feelings. He's like that will do do more damage than good. But he's like definitely self a period because if you don't, then you'll end up five years down the track, and you're still complaining about it. So yeah, I completely agree with that. And that's something that I was going to ask you is like, what do you do if you find yourself getting back into that negative mindset? What's your trigger, your quote or book or whatever to get mm-hmm. you back? What do you do? It's pretty easy these days because I've been doing it for a long time, but I'll tell you the tools that I have used and it is a process. Life is a journey. It is a forever journey. So if you've got that belief, then it's easy because you know you're always going to be learning and it's just peeling another layer off of the person you have always been inside. You just maybe didn't know that person. Um, The things I use are meditation, which is something I've introduced only in the last couple of years, and I'm still not 100% on it. Like I fall off the bandwagon here and there, but it certainly helps. Um, Prayer and faith has definitely been important to me, but exercise, exercise has been a lifesaver for me because when I felt angry and stressed out, I would exercise. It would make me feel good about myself, release good endorphins. It was, I felt empowered about something in my life because I felt so disempowered about so many things in my life. What could I control? What can I control? What is within my control? Okay, that sucks and it's shitty. Journal it. Um, vent it out with a friend and then go, is this going to help me achieve my outcome? Yes. Get to know what your outcomes are. And if it's just to feel good or to feel happy, that's fine. But acknowledge it, identify it, and then it helps to change the behaviours. Absolutely invest in personal development. You know, there's so many books, there's so many podcasts, there's just so much free information on YouTube from some amazing mentors. Like some of my mentors, the most amazing mentors, they don't know they're my mentors, you know. It's Tony Robbins, it's it's Bob Proctor, it's Joe Dispenza, it's all these amazing people that I listen to um, when I'm driving, when I'm in the shower, when I'm working out just feeding your mind with all the right stuff and the people you choose to have around yourself, Ash. Yeah. You know, get rid of the toxic people. Get rid of the people that all they want to do is talk about, oh, in the past, in the past, in the past, in the past. They want to catch up. Oh, what are you doing now? And back then and back then. Who cares? That's the past. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Yes, it's part of what made me who I am. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm moving forward. If you're too negative... You're not within my inner circle. That's it. Be brutal. And yes. it takes time. It takes time, right? You've got to build up that muscle and get stronger. But that's what I mean. It takes it takes work, but it's so doable. I started with exercise. That's the first thing I did was just start exercising because I didn't feel crazy when I exercised. Yeah. You know? 
and I didn't understand why. I mean, we were talking just before about when I went and did my PT course, the reason I did it was because I wanted to understand how exercise affected my brain because through everything I went through, I didn't take any depression medication. I didn't take any anxiety medication. I didn't have any medication at all. So I felt really strongly about not having medication, post-traumatic stress disorder, clinical depression, anxiety, autoimmune diseases. And I didn't know much, but I knew that a pill wasn't going to fix something inside of me like that. It didn't, it, it didn't make common sense. So I went and asked questions and started researching and one thing led to another, led to another. God, I have so many questions. We could talk about this all, all bloody night if we could. We will when we meet each other for wine or something. Yeah, we'll yeah. <laughs> there and talk about it. But one of my questions for you, like going through, you know, domestic violence, and you've probably heard my, you know, my story and my advice to people trying to escape that situation as well. Mm-hmm. What would be your one piece of advice for someone who is in a domestic violent relationship and is trying to get out or trying to figure out what the hell's going on because I was like you and I will mm-hmm. admit I didn't know what domestic violence was I thought it was just physical and yeah. I said in my story it was the emotional and mental abuse that started long before the physical started yeah completely and that probably fucked me up the most was the the mental stuff not physical but what would be your one piece of advice for someone going through that right now trying to escape? Okay, so just number one, to be aware that that is the most dangerous time. When you're deciding to leave, you are in the most danger ever and and you'll find that on all sorts of um, sites and from home uh, women's home shelters and stuff, they will tell you that. But it's to have um, money put aside it's to have a friend that knows what is going on, somehow find a way to, and some people are very isolated, you know, isolated from their friends, but find someone that you can open up to um, and let them know what is going on. Some safety, get a phone if you can that they don't know about, which is one of the things I did um, to communicate with other people and just be very aware and be on high alert because that is the most dangerous time and you have to plan it. Yes. You know, unless obviously there's some major incidents. And these days um, there's a lot more information about it. There is a lot more support about it. It's not uh, brushed under the carpet anymore. You know, people stand up and go, hey, this is not okay. So it's a, I think yeah. it's easier to do these days than, say, 20 years ago. Yes. Exactly. So. You were, you know, going through it long before it was actually uh, people were addressing the elephant in the room, and now people can. But when you were going through a pro at the start, there was probably nothing like that out no, there. No, no. Look, we grew up um, being um, exposed to a fair bit of it from my stepfather. Um, so yeah, I had very much an idea. We did we did escape several times, but we got roved back in. Every single time until the last time we got roped in every single time. So, yeah, be careful. Be very aware that that is the most dangerous time. I had no idea how dangerous it was when I'd made that decision. Looking back, I go, oh, my God, all these moments that I was in such danger, it just needed him to 
to flick for me to say the wrong um the wrong yeah. the wrong thing and i had no idea like how much danger i was actually in so if you're aware of that then you can prepare and plan for it and know that it's it's not your fault and yeah. you can recover and there yeah. is life after dv and not just surviving like life beautiful life after dv as you said, thriving. I love that. The grass yeah. greener on the other side. That's what I say. So don't think In it's... this instance, it can be. But do once you get out, do the work on yourself. And, and if you can, if you're listening and you're wanting to get out, start putting things in your ears that are empowering. Start, just start with Tony Robbins. He's the, he's yeah. the most well-known because you will start the way you think. You'll start changing the way you think. That personal development, it'll start changing the way you think and you'll start to feel stronger and more empowered. And when you're out, you'll realise um, how much you didn't have, you know, self-esteem and how you weren't strong, you know, in that relationship because in these relationships, they will diminish you so that yeah. you feel like you can't do anything, that you're not good enough, that you can't survive with them, that you're not worthy. So... Your self-worth will be crushed and you're going to be trying to get out of it. So it's tough. You need support. And if you haven't got other people that you can reach out to because you're isolated, you've got the internet in your earphones and start listening to personal development. It's free on YouTube. Yeah. So. I agree because that it changed my life. That's all the books I've got everywhere surrounded my room, especially Tony Robbins, changed my life and prepared yeah. me for the aftermath and uh, during it was yeah crazy but it was not until I was out that I truly realized what actually happened because I wasn't aware of it and then you get a year post and I was like oh my gosh what actually happens and yeah. you can actually be real about it because you're not trying to hide it kind of thing I was like trying to avoid it like let's not think about that Ashley and I was like you know what that's hurting me like it's killing me on the inside like my soul is hurting I need to unpack it. I need to realize, relive it a bit to realize what's happened in order for me to move forward and forgive. That was my process as well. I had to forgive and forgive to let go. And you've forgiven? Yes, most definitely. Congratulations. I, I ha it took me a long time, but I have forgiven, you know, what he did. Um, you can never forget it, but it happened and I can't change anything. All I can say is, I'm stronger and I'm a more beautiful, confident woman because of it because I know I can draw that line in the sand to go, that was the woman I used to be versus who I am today, what I deserve and what I want in life. And, you know. The thing is you're doing the work, Ash, you know, yeah. and forgiveness is definitely a huge part of it and it's hard. And forgiveness may not be just one moment. It can be a process. Lots, lots you know? of little moments. You have yeah. to. Yeah. But it's about you. It's never about them. Forgiveness is about releasing that anger and and pain and even hatred at times within you because that stuff makes you sick. And and me talking about it, by me not talking about it, that was hurting me. And that's why me talking about the podcast, it was more of a self-healing thing because it was the first time I was mm -hmm. talking about it. But then it gets to help other people as well. And yep. that's just even more empowering for me like what i went through was worth it if i can help all these other people get out of it as well yeah 
definitely you're doing good good to help others and i really commend you on that and you've you know you've done amazingly well um in your own healing and and journey and you're right talking about it does help you heal it's really processing it is yes. what it's doing so and helping people along the way so hello win-win you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> you are too you can't talk <laughs> love it love it no well thank you so much i could have spoken to you for bloody hours and hours today i reckon but i will call it there because i know you've got kitties that will probably need their mum and dinner in bed yes uh, but thank you so much for sharing your story like it was unbelievable like just hearing it again and how far you've come as a person and for you you're a bit of like a, a role model for me because i see how far you've come and how much you've changed your mindset and that and i know that i can do that too kind of thing i feel so, so honored thank oh, you for that keep it up like you were doing amazing amazing you too. like you too you like you've got just this whole beautiful life ahead of you this whole beautiful life i can give you one piece of advice that would be you know write a list for what your standards are when yes. you do get into a relationship because little by little we can sometimes fall back into old habits not as bad mm -hmm. you know um but still not not exactly what we want and you can write your list write your list even if you're not looking for someone write your list of what is you know what your standard is now law of attraction yeah and read it every now and then because not only just about attracting them it's not like going okay this is what i want now it's also about repelling what you don't want yes by reading that you're also repelling what you don't want and old habits um that are still you know old habits old beliefs that are still within you know there's there's always little dregs here and there <laughs> yes i know and i need to avoid that it's like no no man this yeah. might be me so you read it for law of attraction but also to repel what you don't want block that bad energy out don't need that yeah. exactly you're well, a champion ash no no thank you so much